You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm Ian Lamberson, and with me, as always, is my friend, my mate, my colleague, a man who is not inf- not afraid to uh, invert a fullback or uh, <laughs> uh, or call for underlapping ones. Uh, uh, the, the, the podcast league leader and expected fun uh, is Harrison Crow. Hi, Harrison. Hey, Ian, how are you doing? I accept all titles and all of the above. I'm doing good. Yeah, we're going to make this like Game of Thrones, just, you know, uh, such and such titles and titles, I, appropriate, appropriate. Filming I would is really necessary. Like, yeah, First I would really like if I like walked around places, people like would pronounce me places, you know, uh, you know, the Lord Overlord X Fun Guru Harrison Crow entering the room, you know, that would. Yeah, Harrison Crow. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Drew to like uh, expense <laughs> that for you, because that's going to. That's going to cost money and benefits, you know, yeah, how I think it's totally that worth person. it. So, <laughs> all right, look, we are uh, here. We're very excited. We're more excited than usual because it's not long now. The 2018 Major League Soccer season is upon us. And uh, in just like what a week, we're going to be dealing with some CCL. And uh, what we wanted to do today was kind of go ahead and do a season preview, uh, kind of what's been going on in the offseason with all these teams. Today, we're going to do the Eastern Conference uh, we're going to start with the bottom of the table and work our way up to the top. Uh, so let's get right into it because there's a lot to cover. And uh, our first team we're going to discuss is DC United. And there's a lot of talking points this week, huh? Yeah. So uh, besides all the all the stuff with uh, Yamil Assad, there is tons of stuff coming on with could they possibly add another striker? And that seems to be the the will they or won't they? The uh, the Ross and Rachel, the uh, the Sam and Diane of this offseason for DC United, uh, which yeah. kind of confounds me because I, I really like Patrick Mullins. Anyone that knows me or t- see, hears me on Twitter, I won't shut up about P- Patrick Mullins. I think he's a rather complete striker. However, the caveat always is, can he stay healthy, right? Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that that's very much a question uh, that you take that and then you kind of say, okay, well, how does, it, assuming you use Mullins, how does Assad then fit into place? <laughs> And you did. <laughs> that, that is the big topic this week, uh, which will we'll just kind of like go, uh, not not beat that dead horse anymore. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, assuming uh, Assad probably is someone that you're going to want to fit in on, on on the outside, on the left. Um, uh, you know, and this is kind of going to give DC United sort of uh, an interesting kind of two prong kind of approach, I think. And that's going to be something they haven't really had is having two kind of dangerous players uh, on either side there. Um, and, and we were talking about Patrick Mullins. And I, I think I agree with you when he's healthy. He's a wonderful striker. He's fine. He's great. Um, you know, he's probably never going to make the cover of FIFA, but but he's he's going to get a job done for you. Um but DC United did go out a little bit and kind of hedged a little bit of bets and picked out uh, Darren Maddox. And I was curious how you see that 
see him fitting into like this DC United team. Yeah, I think Darren Maddox is kind of one of those players that everyone had these high expectations of over like the last goodness. Mm-hmm. I, how, how many years has he been out? I think he got drafted in 2012. Yeah, it feels no, like yeah, absolutely. It feels like he it's it's pretty much like endless instead of like in my endless love, like uh, my endless MLS career. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Well, just like waiting for him to finally have that breakout kind of yes, this is this is what we always expected from him. You know, he's one of these physically, uh, you know, very 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 pacey kind of players, and and uh, as with all strikers, though, you know, sometimes there's just not quite the end product you want, and I think that that's a, a fair thing to say of Darematic so far, but. A change of scenery. Can no, do absolutely. For a I, kind of shocking. You would have thought that the change of scenery to Portland would have been what motivated his career. Uh, just him kind of returning back with uh, um, with Caleb Porter and maybe being placed in an opportunity that's a little bit more appropriate for his skill set. You know, pushing him out wide a little bit rather than uh, directly. You know, kind of in a counter attacking type scheme. Uh, that being said, it seems like it's not necessarily ever clicked for him. And maybe I think that's a little bit unfair, right? Like, so, you know, he had 4.75 uh, expected goals, uh, hedging on five in only a thousand minutes. So that is to say he was a pretty average striker, maybe even slightly above average when you consider what he did on the creation side. So it's not as if he is completely useless. He may not be dazzling. His speed might not never have translated into something that's uh, Fabian Castillo-esque, but he's still going to be somebody that that probably brings a, a specific purpose to DC United that um, as much as Ben Olsen kind of gets, um, you know, unfairly uh, uh, fashioned as somebody that I think soccer nihilist is like what someone quoted uh, earlier on Twitter, but I think that he understands the pieces that he has and most of the time uses them to their, to his advantage. And most of the time that's really unattractive soccer. Darren Maddox will give them a change of pace and will kind of give them somebody to get inject, especially late in the game. Or even uh, I think DC, uh, DCU Exile, who wrote the uh, DC United article on ASA, uh, suggested that he could also be a really good uh, a bunker and counter uh, striker for the first couple of months that they're pretty much playing on the road because uh, their their stadium won't be won't be quite yeah. ready. And I think that's a great way to probably use him and utilize him is to not necessarily think of him as somebody that's going to do a lot of hold up play pass. It's just going to be to run on the, on the, uh, on the end of through balls and try to put, uh, create shots. I think that's probably the best way to use him, which isn't great. Um, if that's all, if he does one thing, um, you, especially in MLS in today's era in a very complete attacker era era, um, you probably want more out of your starting striker, but if you know mm-hmm. what he does well and you play to his strengths, I think they could probably get a little bit more out of him. Yeah, it's one of those situations where even if he's not your guy that's going to be the first name on your team sheet ever, um, using him uh, tactically, using him like uh, spottingly, like where he can take advantage, use that pace to get behind slower defenses or in situations where you're definitely going to be Okay, we're going to be trying more to get you know get out on counterattacks on teams. Um, yeah, he could be a guy that is is, is very effective in that role. So, um, moving on with DC United, I, I think we started to see last year 
uh, during that midsummer window, they brought in a lot of talent. They brought in a lot of new names, a lot of new faces. And throughout the rest of the, the 2017 season, um, you know, there was some improvement, but but obviously there was some also there was time that was needed to gel to kind of get this together. And and now they've got this preseason. Uh, you've added all this talent last year, players like Canoose and uh, Ariola, and now you've got a guy like Emil Assad coming in. You've got Darren Maddox coming to help. Um, they've got kind of an interesting new fullback and O'Neill Fisher who might uh, do well in this kind of situation. I guess what I'm going to ask you, and and we're just going to have to. It, move quickly on a lot of these, but uh, is this a team that could make the playoffs this year? I think so. <clears throat> I mean, uh, when you look at MLS as a whole ecosystem, there's so much fluctuation, right? They Things go up, things go down, things, there's so much parity, anything can happen. And I don't like answering it in this, uh, what can, uh, anything can happen type uh, <laughs> vein, but let's look at what, if everything went right, they're probably a better than mid table. Like they're probably a top echelon, like assuming everything goes right. Patrick Mullins plays 2,500 minutes. Uh, Yamil Assad comes in and is just absolutely the MVP that you thought he could be in Atlanta. Uh, the defense works itself out. Uh, everything goes wrong. They're, they're in the top, probably top three, top four of the Eastern conference. If everything breaks, they're at the bottom of the barrel. And I think that somewhere in the middle is the truth, right? So they're probably sitting about sixth, seventh um, overall. I don't think that it's – everybody's going to look at the at the pieces that they have, the Paul Arioli, the Saw, the uh, Stiber. They have some really great attacking pieces. Oh, my goodness. The uh, Luciana Acosta – they have some great attacking pieces mm-hmm. and they've kind of batched up that midfield with uh, defensively. Their whole back line is such a mess. And the fact that they basically paid um, a whole DP uh, or a whole DP charge rather 500, uh, almost 500 K in Tam for uh, David Ousted is really a lot to swallow, especially when they had Steve Clark already. I really don't know where that defense is headed and that's, that's the concern because in MLS, that's where you're going to differentiate yourself. Not in the attack anymore. It's going to be in the defense. That's just where things are headed. I kind of got, I kind of got the impression with that uh, Ustad move that, that it was something where like, okay, Hamid's gone. That's been like a talisman for DC United. That's been a rock at the back. And I think that maybe they saw somebody like Ustad could come in and be that sort of. Um, Give them that kind of security uh, that they might have had, you know. Obviously, not quite to the to, to the, the the level that Hamid was doing it, uh, and they might have kind of overcorrected there uh, with that transaction. But but we'll see. He kind of fell out of favor at Vancouver, but on his day, he's a phenomenal uh, shot stopper and a great goalkeeper. So um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think we're looking at one of those things where uh, they're in the middle of that Eastern Conference pack, and uh, depending on which way things break, it could be a very disappointing or a very good year. And having all those home games kind of stacked up at the end of the season is going to be a, a really big help to them as well. Next up, of course, we have Orlando City Soccer Club. And this is a team that has made a lot of changes and added some pretty attractive pieces. Uh, is this the team that's had the best offseason so far? It's a little bit hard and I think drastic to say the best offseason, but I think they've had a very efficient one, right? They they added exactly what they needed in Justin Miram and that wide winger uh, that's going to be creating for Dom Dwyer up top. And then they basically got Sasha Kleshin from like the bargain bin for some, like I, I still don't quite fathom 
they yeah they were they basically were paid to take sasha question and if someone could write to us here at a uh, american soccer analysis and tell us exactly how that happened um i would i'd really like to know and but, for uh, the record if anybody yeah. wants to pay us to take sasha question on we will also have him on this show uh, for a very long heck yeah time. like if you want to, yeah absolutely <laughs> we we will just have him have hot takes he has some great hot takes we like sasha question here um yeah, so they've got Sasha Klesch, they got Justin Miram, they brought in Rossell um, from abroad. They've got uh, uh, Josue Coleman coming in, and uh, yeah, this team is shaping up to look extremely different than it did, uh, did at the end of 2017. Yeah, uh, uh, Jose uh, Coleman, he, he was a young guy from Paraguay that I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways kind of will somehow kind of mimic Miguel Almiron and I, I don't say that to to be like oh he's the next Miguel Almiron because he's from Paraguay and the, there are some there are some kind of uh, especially from a national team and the, the youth perspective of what he does is very similar and in fact their styles are very similar and he actually consulted Miguel Almiron when coming to MLS and I think that there's a lot of things he's younger he's probably less re- not probably he is less refined um, so he whether or not he gets injected immediately into Orlando's starting lineup, uh, I th- I think that's still in question. I do think that this is less of a Brian Rochez type of uh, situation that <laughs> happened, you right. know, from him, him coming from Honduras after having like a half a good season uh, and being young to something that's a little bit more, a uh, little, little bit more tangible and, and probably fits their attack um, a little bit better. Yeah, it's one of those things where even if he doesn't come right in and starts, you know, just just being amazing, uh, they have other players around that can do the job and kind of wait for him to develop a little bit. And just to have him on the books uh, really looks like a smart move from Orlando. And it's a lot more forward thinking than we've seen from them in the past. Uh, Obviously, they're going to be without Kaká this year. And I I think, you know, this has probably been covered to death, but but it's worth mentioning. I I personally feel like we kind of saw a better Orlando City when Kaká wasn't with them. Um, as great of a player as Kaká is and as amazing as he even could be when he was at his best in MLS. Uh, I think finally Christ is starting to get his hands around this team a little bit. It's taken a lot longer than I think a lot of people expected, myself included, but uh, this team might actually surprise a lot of people next year. Yeah, and and I think one of the big things for this team will really kind of sit on the shoulders of uh, Yuri Rosell. So, you, he was just an absolute beast when in sporting and, and he was, you know, obviously I think he was 20 at that point in time, which was really uh, phenomenal and fascinating when you think about where MLS has kind of come from and how different sporting was, you know, uh, kind of, they were forward facing in, in a lot of their ideas, but he was such an impact player. And the question is, did has MLS caught up to him? Is he still that impact player, especially with you know uh, declining minutes? He didn't play very much in Sporting Lisbon, so uh, I think that it's fair to ask whether or not he'll still be that impact player. And if he is, this is going to be a very good Orlando team and one that could very well challenge uh, the Chicago, the Atlanta uh, tier to be the top dog. I, I don't think they're ready to take on Toronto. Toronto is in a different league. And I, I, to be perfectly honest, I the stratosphere at which they maintain themselves right now, it, it, we'll, we'll get to. But I think Orlando has done enough to really 
to really launch a new era of to kind of find the themselves lines. in that second tier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a fair place to aim. Um, and like you said, you know, they already had decent pieces. Jonathan Spector was very good for them last year. Bendik is a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, you know, Yotun Yoshi, uh, Yoshi Yotun, sorry, is uh, <laughs> another player that, like, you know, when pair with Roselle, you know, that's just going to be like a very, very, uh, very tidy midfield. So um, I'm not too worried about Orlando City anymore. And that's the first time I've been able to say that. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have the Montreal Impact. And this is a team that has also had a rather busy offseason, but maybe kind of going the opposite direction. Um, obviously, they're. Lawrence Simon is going to be at LAFC. Tabla has moved on to FC Barcelona, surprisingly, of all places. Uh, and uh, a guy that was really good for them. Or B, right? Yeah, Barcelona 2, right. right, right Barcelona right. But B. But I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Barcelona B? Yeah, Barcelona B. Okay. Barcelona B. That was yeah. a question. That was, um, wasn't like me correcting you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's still a – it's it's not a lateral move. Let's say yeah, that's a move enough. up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, they lost to Kai that I actually really liked last year and I think was a, a big part of kind of holding them together to kind of keep them out of this this the, the seller. And that was uh, Jess Maley. Um, and he, I think, is going to be someone that they miss a lot. Yeah, I think with Jamele, it, it was a little bit hard to kind of um, – it's – I think that this is kind of a sideways move for them. Yes, he 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 was a guy that came in and, and said a lot of things right, uh, especially for what they needed. They needed somebody that was a number eight that was going to do a little bit of work, but also do a little bit of the uh, the the stuff that Piotti was doing on both ends. He was both the playmaker and the the, the shot creator, and that was a little bit hard for him to kind of – you saw especially early on teams like uh, San Jose just completely focus-fired uh, Piotti to the point to where he became non-existent, and they they took that piece off the board. Uh, amazingly, Dominic Kinnear just basically uh, tactically uh, – like. <laughs> figured out a way to neutralize yes, which which still to this day i was at the game and it blew my mind the way they just they just neutralized piotti i i came fully expecting it to be a a a piotti fest and uh it it was lacking the piotti uh, <laughs> yeah, that's always a disappointment. But, uh, but adding uh, Jamali, uh, he he created a new. He was able to to do some creation. He was able to uh, kind of spread the. I don't know, I almost want to say spread the field a little bit, like as if it's a basketball terminology. But uh, that's kind of what he did, right? He he has helped open up some passing lines and he did a lot of the stuff that Piotti was dropping into the midfield and doing, and that really opened. <laughs> him yeah, up to, to perform a little, I think a little bit better in the attacking third for Piotti in the second half. Yeah. He was a kind of guy that if nothing else, he gave defenses something else to look at, um, which, which Montreal was in a position of needing very badly. Um, anyway, now he's gone, uh, his replacement, um, presumably, uh, Safir Tater, um, Tider. I'm going to have to learn how to say that one. I should have looked up the pronunciation guide before, uh, but I think it's tighter. Um, also, uh, we're bringing in another exciting uh, little wide player in uh, Jason Vargas. Um, I think that you know he's one of those guys that's going to be younger, uh, could bring a lot of energy, and definitely is going to be a different sort of 
another one of those guys to look at that's not Piotti, and that's gonna that's gonna be a big help to Montreal. I, I think there's not a lot of spectacular things to look at uh, when it comes to Montreal. Montreal is kind of a bland team, and they've, they've they, admittedly they've never been a really flashy team. Marco Devaio beforehand, Piotti now. I mean, that's really all that they've had, right? They haven't been a team of of great substance. They've been, hey, this is how we're gonna do it, and it's not gonna be flashy, but it's it's gonna get the job done. And sometimes that accounts to a lot of goals. Sometimes it's uh, you know, Bernier just uh, completely blocking shot after shot after shot, hoping and praying that they don't uh, get a goal to uh, Evan Bush or a shot to Evan Bush. But Vargas is really interesting. And there's I, so we have, you know, Aaron Nielsen, who uh, is an ASA alum. Uh, you might see him. He writes out there for a number of uh, publications he, he's someone that has kind of talked about uh, to both of us in ASA and in other formats that he actually likes him on par with Ezekiel Barco, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, it, that might be a little bit of, you know, kind of twisting the knife into uh, the back of uh, Atlanta fans just to kind of get a reaction. But I, I think the fact that we're even talking about him being one of the younger high echelon type um, presents some excitement to Montreal and, and could really alleviate some of that congestion uh, on the left side for Piotti. This was a guy that I think there were a couple of teams looking at uh, even like two years ago. And at that time, he was even younger and more raw. And he still seemed to be a player that was maybe beyond that reach of MLS still. Um, and so the fact that he's here uh, is something I, I, I feel like he kind of came in unheralded. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was to Montreal and not to, um, you know, one of the more attention grabby teams. But um, he's someone I, I, I think is going to be a, a very interesting dark horse uh, kind of newcomer. And I'm really going to be keeping an eye on him. And I would suggest others do as well. Um, Montreal, it, it, still, I think the main, I mean, we're looking in, like, I, there's still time left in this offseason. Um, you know, they, they, they've got, they brought in Raheem Edwards, um, uh, interestingly enough, and um, that, that could be like a good piece for them to add. Uh, but they still don't have that striker. I, I don't know um, if, Anthony Jackson Hamel is going to be that guy going forward. I, just, I think they kind of have to. Uh, they, they have to rely on the fact that he is that guy right now, right? They have to kind of. Uh, they've put themselves in the position to where he's the guy going forward. I, I mean, it's either himself or you know, uh, uh, name is uh, Mancosu. thank you, Mancosu. So that, uh, Mancosu. Mateo, it, he's thirty three. He's getting up there in age. Uh, he might. Uh, 33 man that's that's really old uh in terms of i'm 33 and i say that's old it's getting up there in terms of what or uh montreal's <laughs> trying to do with that counter attack and i don't know he's a re- he holds the ball up well enough and he does all these things kind of well enough but it's like what we talked about with uh darren maddox beforehand you need guys that aren't just okay anymore in the attack. You need more well-rounded pieces that, you know, have more than just one thing that they do really well. He's a really good, he he does really good at holding up the ball and, you know, maybe Vargas goes on the right and, you know, they have Piotti on the left and, you know, he can get those, he can open up some passing lanes and, and fool them through uh, forward on uh, these counterattacks. But I really think that you need 
somebody that's going to do more. And, and hopefully uh, Jackson Hamel is that person. He showed coming on late in games that he could definitely change uh, change some different aspects of it, just creating shots and not just shots, but high quality shots, right? He was doing so consistently in late performances. And that's that's something that's really remarkable um, for a 24-year-old to be able to, and very mature to do. Yeah, I think the issue, though, is kind of the other edge of that sword, whereas, you know, when he was coming on late and doing these things, he was doing it. But when you asked him to do this over the course of a full batch, the the cracks started to show a little bit. Well, I mean, it's more minutes. Yeah, that's going to happen, right? So you you see more of their faults. You see more of, you know, little uh, fissures in their game, if you will. Um, So you have to kind of couple that and say, all right, what are his faults? How are we going to try to cover those up? How are we going to play to his strengths? And I think that that's, you know, something that they're, they're kind of left with, uh, with trying to do right now. Well, they've got a, uh, kind of a, a new, uh, interesting coach in the Jewett Remy guard who has a lot of, um, right. European experience, including, uh, you know, recently at Aston Villa. Um, so, uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting team. I will say that Montreal is on my list of teams. I, I I would put them as a team of concern for me at this point, just because there's a lot unknown right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how all these pieces line up. Uh, I could see it uh, going well and them staying kind of in their comfort-ish right around that playoff zone, but maybe a little below, or I could see the bottom and, you know, completely falling out and, and this being a, a disaster season for them. Yeah. I didn't love how they replaced Biello the way they did. And I, I felt like he kind of got a raw deal in a lot of ways, especially for somebody that's been around their club for the last, uh, I think it's like mm-hmm. 10 plus years. So, but Remy guard, yeah, is, is a really good, cl- uh, really good manager in terms of his pedigree. Um, it, it, is he going to be a guy that's, can basically bring the pl- level of player uh, from uh, where they're at to that next level. Yeah, I, that remains to be seen, I think, especially when we're talking about um, something that's a little bit more unfamiliar. And I don't want to get into the, oh, he's a foreign manager and all that other nonsense that I think a lot of people um, prescribe. But I think changing leagues takes a little bit of time for any person. I think there's more things to take into into account. There's more things to consider, especially for tactics. And I think that there will be at least a small time to to acclimate and to try to figure out how to best uh, deploy your team to accentuate their talents and to minimize their faults, right? That's right. All right, moving on. That was one club I listed as maybe possible concern. Here's a club I definitely have a lot of concern for. Uh, that is the Philadelphia Union. Um, okay, so exciting. David Akam, wonderful. That's fantastic. He's really um, good. Yeah, uh, less exciting. What else? <laughs> what else have you done? Um, well, here's here, yeah. here's what here's what I'll say. So I took a couple jabs at uh, <laughs> at Ernie Sturt earlier today on on Twitter. Uh, today being Thursday, yeah. um, so I I guess he's in the running for possible U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation general manager, which is disconcerting on a numerous amounts of levels. Just considering well, his yeah. bo- his body of work since leaving uh, the Netherlands. Uh, the one good thing, and, and I don't want to rehash, uh, I think most people can kind of see Philadelphia and pull out their own, extrapolate their own thoughts uh, on how that's working out for them. But I think that really um, some of the things that we don't notice is the fact that they have the sixth youngest squad in MLS. You know, they have Derek Jones, they have 
and I caught Jack Elliott. Yeah, Jack Elliott, Keegan Rosenberry. Um, they have some interesting young players um, that, you know, they, there could possibly be one or two other guys that end up making a, a little bit uh, bigger impact this year on the roster that we didn't foresee previously. Um, so I, I'm, I hope that's the case. And I hope that they kind of, um, start building that bridge from the academy to their first team. There's all this talk about uh, Bethlehem being this, you know, this really great, uh, I don't want to say facility. It's it, it's not just the facility. It's not just the team, but it's been a really good program for them. But I feel like it's a lot of lip service right now. And mm-hmm. we've not seen some real substance and that's what we really need to see. We need to see Derek Jones get 2000 minutes. We need to see, um, Adam, uh, Nahum come up and be that number 10 that they, they need, they need a number 10. Who's going to start for them. Are they going to put Bedoya there again? Or, you know, um, who's going to fill that position. I really think that it's kind of looking like, uh, Adam Nahum might end up taking that spot. So if that's the case, I mean, they could have a really young roster. Yeah, I mean, it's either him or El Sinho, and I, I don't know that – well, I would hope that I, – I think that for the good of – it kind of is one of those situations where I think Jim Curtin might be in a place where he might be a little reluctant to make gambles uh, right now just because, you know, Philadelphia has been kind of underachieving uh, for a little while now. Have and they I been think, underachieving? You know, we started hearing rumblings. I don't think that's fair. Um, well, I – Okay. Well, in comparison to uh, the clubs around them, um, I, I just don't think they. I, they, yeah, they I just probably, don't think they've had. A, they've, they haven't had very much talent. I mean, what is he supposed to do with that? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. And, and I, I, this is kind of why I'm saying that. Um, I, I, I don't know like what goes on in the background, but last year we started hearing some rumblings that that he might be on his way out, and I, you know, I know that that gets to somebody, and, and, and that might cause a manager to try to play it more safe. Um, but I would definitely be in favor of seeing a guy like uh, Adam Nahum in there uh, just to just to kind of like turn the reins over to these kids a little bit. Let's see what they can do. I know that that's a really popular sentiment and um, amongst uh, fans, especially here in Major League Soccer. You know, we love to see these younger players come up. Um, but for a lot of teams, just, you know, no matter how good your youth is, it probably isn't the right smartest thing to do at that point for, um, you know, your current situation. But Philadelphia does seem like a team that could – is in a good position to do something like that. So that's why I agree with you there that I think um, this might be a great opportunity to do that. And this would make them uh, definitely a much more uh, must watch team this season. Well, I mean, eventually they're going to have to do something right. They're going to have to do something to kind of break out of um, where they're at because they're not bringing in players in with league money. I mean, it's not even that Jay Sugarman's not even spending money right now. It's they're not even using the TAM that they have. I mean, yeah, they use some of it to acquire David Com. So, I mean, here's, here's mm. some, you know, faint applause for you. But uh, uh, besides that, what are they really spending on? You know, put Matt Real in. Let him. So, what if he's 18? Let's let him start. You know, put him next to Jack Elliott. Let's let's see what happens. Actually, start Keegan Rosenberry this year, um, opposed to like have this back and forth. You know, you're not working hard enough in training uh, stuff. Uh, it, it just it. I get that. That's that's the downside of having Jim Curtin, right? He's, he seems. Um, at least from what I've heard, he seems like a very disciplinary oriented. And maybe that's that's really good in some cases. And maybe it's less good with the, the type of players that you're trying to play. Uh, maybe a move is for the best. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll see. 
Let's see. So, uh, yeah, there are, there are a team of, I'll list them on my tier of teams of concern, but uh, I am I am cautiously optimistic that they could be uh, better than what we've seen so far. Let's uh, move on to our next squad. And this is a team that is completely unpredictable, and I have no idea where they're going to come. I was tasked with writing the ASA preview on them, and it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the revolution. What is going on with this team? So we have a new manager, Brad Friedel. Um, who is a very experienced soccer person, uh, maybe not a ton of experience uh, managing, uh, not really sure what to read on him and what it's going to be like. Their biggest, their, their most valuable piece, their best player, uh, Lee Nguyen. I don't, I don't know. We don't know what's happening with him. He's back at training. Is that just for show? Is that, are we going to get a stroppy Lee Nguyen? Are we going to get a disgruntled Lee Nguyen? Uh, are we going to get, you know, or is, are things good? Did they work it out? I, I I don't know. That's such a big part of this team that with that unresolved still, and we're just going to have to see. Um, a bunch of new faces coming in. We've got Gabriel Somi, uh, Zahibo is replacing Kwasi. We got a guy Panella coming in. Um, just a lot of fringe players on their way out. Like what? What, what this? What is with this team? What is with so the two things, English? right? Uh, well, I should even I'll, I'll expand to say three things, right? First yeah. of all, uh, Zahibo. Ha- this team is going to kind of live and die. They've been so uh, soft in that underbelly, that defense is. He, they need somebody in front of them, and and that's really what they've been. Ho- they that's what they've been hoping w- somebody would step up and be. That can be Scott Caldwell. They've tried numerous other solutions. Uh, they even tried recycling players that, from past seasons that didn't work. It it just was this. Uh, open sore that just was causing so many problems and eventually kind of was their downfall last year. They were such a great attacking team. And I think that they're going to be uh, a good attacking team going forward. That being said, um, I think that kind of lives and dies with number two, Lee Wynn. Lee Wynn turns 31. It's not like he's, he, he keeps getting better uh, at 28, 29, 30. It's where, like you kind of start sitting there with bated breath going, how much further is this going to go till it starts rolling backwards? And that's not to be uh, impolite or, you know, suggest that he's, you know, uh, bad, but eventually players get just in decline. They just start in decline and he's still probably oh, yeah. going to be Naturally. good and very good at that. That being said, you anticipate some decline, you alienate him, from the club that he doesn't want to be a part of. And that is your best attacking piece. What, what happens from that? It's, it's very, um, yeah, there's a lot of question marks as far as what's going to happen. And then just, uh, from a third piece, I mean, you also have, uh, uh, Delena that was, I think he's the highest paid defense. I thought I saw he's the highest paid defensive player in MLS, which blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Claude Elna. Yeah. You know, he is an interesting guy that I think he kind of came in in the middle of last season. We were all like kind of raised some eyebrows at the paycheck and kind of thought, well, this is interesting. Uh, but all the, you know, talk coming out of camp and, and again, it's just talk coming out of camp. So take it for what you will. Um, you know, so this guy is kind of a leader. Like they've been handing him the, the captain's band in preseason. Um, you know, he's a big physical guy back there. Uh, 
if he is that guy, that yeah. is 100%. No, absolutely. And that's why he's my he's my number three. I think that um, he's going to stabilize that defense. Hopefully, maybe he slaps Andrew Farrell around and gets his gets his head in the right. I, I, look, you know what? Um, I feel <laughs> like Andrew Farrell is one of those guys. I mean, you look at when he was a rookie, you had DeAndre Yedlin, and there's a lot of noise on East versus West. Is it Farrell? Is it Yedlin? And now it's emphatically Yedlin. At one point in time, though, we had these – these thoughts that Andrew Farrell could be better than DeAndre Yedlin. There is at least that argument. And what has he done in the last three years? I, it, mm-hmm. it, he's a center back. No, he's not a center back. He's a center back because they have to be a center back, even though he's a better, you know, it, it's, yeah. he needs to figure figure that out. And if Brad Friedel can stabilize yeah, those situations, um, already they're moving ahead uh, defensively. Yeah. And I think, um, with Andrew Farrell, I, I, I do think that there is certain um, – that was, I think, uh, sort of reflective of the situation he was in. Uh, I don't want to put all the blame on him. Um, you know, you can always certainly uh, do better with that. But, uh, you know, we've talked about the defense. I think there's improvement there. Cody Cropper probably going to be in goal again. Um, uh, you know, didn't have – I mean, it wasn't a good season. We'll just say that last year. Uh, I don't think it's hard to blame him for. I think it's hard to blame him for all of that, though, as it is any goalkeeper. Um, but this attack is still just fantastic. Even without Nguyen, we got Kellen Rowe. You know, we got Fagundes. We got Nemeth. We got Teal Bunbury, who came on towards the end of last year and was really, really solid. Um, so I, I think that you know one of the things we looked at was last year at home. You know, they were the fourth best team in MLS. Like it just straight up. If you just counted the home games, like they were one of the best teams in the league, um, and away from home, they were just yeah. awful. No, so yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a really interesting conundrum always with the New England Revolution, um, and 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 uh, they're one that I I always think this could be this could be it. This I think this could be a year they break out, but I I, I just don't know with so many things that are like I don't know going on this year with with Nguyen and, and Friedel and uh, whatever that situation is well, going to be. Here's a here's a factoid for for you, Diego uh, Diego Fagundes actually had more uh, higher expected goal chain than Gamil Assad. Well, there you higher, go. Higher, People don't appreciate higher than Justin Miram, higher than uh, Kevin Molino, and you're not going to like this last one. Higher than Christian Roldan. So, uh, <laughs> wow. I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll check that later. I, I, I just want to emphasize: <laughs> we're talking about somebody that is still um, developing. Surprisingly enough, I mean, he's still not a finished product. I think he's probably getting close to his peak. But at the same time, Diego Fagundes could very well. Uh, morph and he's already really good but he could absolutely turn into a superstar and I think that he's just I think there's just something that needs to switch uh, either within it either it's tactically or whether it's a coaching thing or maybe it's just the player himself I think it's there still I think that next level still there for him he's one of those guys that I, I kind of I'm concerned about staying at New England and whether or not that that will kind of inhibit some kind of growth. I feel like he's the kind of guy that might do well from a move or conversely, New England might kind of grow around him and and, and that could work as well too. So different directions we're going to go. New England is 100% a coin flip. Uh, it's yeah. Schrodinger's cat. No, that's it's, a great it's, way. It's, it's uncertain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unknown. It's simultaneously alive and dead. 
Uh, let's move on a little far north uh, to our good friends, Red Bull New York. And there are two main questions in my mind for the New York Red Bulls this year. Uh, the first one, is this Tyler no. Adams team now? I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's no. Bradley Wright Phillips team, right? Like that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that leads to question number two. Can Bradley Wright Phillips be Bradley Wright Phillips without Sasha question? Can Bradley Wright Phillips be Bradley Wright Phillips without Sasha question, without Thierry Henry, without, look, you know, uh, he's a great striker. He fits perfectly into what they want to do. Is he going to continue? I mean, this is right. This is rehashing Lee Wynn. He's going to probably um, maybe be a little bit less of what he was last year, less of what he was two years ago, but he's still really good. I mean, he's still the piece. He's still probably at 32, at least a top 10 striker, probably a little bit higher. That's probably uh, underrating him within the whole league. He's, he's a top 10 forward. He's uh, magnificent. He continues to be a guy that somehow uh, puts the ball in the back of the neck. Uh, post, most people kind of uh, shrug it off. He's not, he doesn't have the elite speed. He doesn't have these physical tools, but he just creates shots and he does them, does it by finding space uh, in the box. And he has just a plethora of players that really trust him with providing passes to him, uh, whether that's Sean Davis, whether that was Sasha Kleshin, Philippe Martins. It, um, you know, there there's a lot of different uh, elements to New York Red Bull, but the end solution kind of has been Bradley Wright Phillips. And I think it'll continue to be this year. Um, now that might be something that they transition away over the next um, 18 months. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that maybe um, even a little bit further out in it, maybe 24 months, but this is still his team. You know, it, it's interesting uh, that you say that because we saw just how quickly I think that we, we've seen it before that Jesse Marsh and, and, and you know, Ali Curtis, these are guys that, that will try to move on from something before it becomes a problem. And like you saw how quickly they just said, you know what? Question is sort of a declining asset at this point. Let's move him on where we can still get some value from him. They didn't. <laughs> That's beside the point. Um, you know, I could see them kind of looking at Bradley Wright Phillips and, and, and trying to maybe move him on a, a little bit sooner rather than, than some of us would expect. But I think there's one thing you could say about, you know, the Red Bulls, and that is just that, like, they succeed. They get it done. Um, like, they will be in the playoffs. They will be, uh, you know, if they're not challenging for the East, they will be thereabouts. Like, they're going to be in that, you know, second tier. Like, that's just where they are. I think that they are a very well-run club. No, um, yeah. And, and we're just—they're not afraid to take risks. Like they, people were like, "Oh, they got rid of Dax. Like that team is done." They weren't. They had a fine year. They were okay. They almost took out Toronto on the way to the, you know the playoffs. It, it just, uh, however, they do it. Like they—they they, they don't do things that people expect, and they don't do things that are like necessarily completely conventional wisdom. And and they still manage to get things done. So I, I have nothing but confidence. No, in yeah, absolutely. Dennis Hamlet and uh, Jesse Marsh have done, uh, and Ali Curtis beforehand, they've all done a great job. And I think the transition from Dax McCarty was awesome. I think the the transition from Sasha Kleschen to Kaku maybe um, will, would be great. Um, I don't want to get ourselves yeah. too ahead of, ahead of it. That's an ongoing saga for two months. But I mean, even if they don't go ahead and bring somebody in, they still have 
a bunch of just young, very talented players from uh, Alex Mule to uh, Sean Davis, I mentioned beforehand, you know, Daniel Royer, who's 27, is just phenomenal. He he's in his prime, but he's he's really such an underrated asset. He's kind of the the Mike Grella part two, uh, electric boogaloo. Um, So this this team continues to do stuff. That, yeah, you said is unconventional. And yeah, I, I felt like they kind of gave away Sasha Kleschen. But still, they got Carlos Rivas, who is going to be interesting. He's probably going to stretch um, those wings a little bit. Um, and Tommy Redding is a U19, U20 um, alum that has nothing but re- really good things been said about him along the way. And maybe he got thrust a little bit forward into that defense a little bit too soon last year. But, uh, you know, already we've we've seen that New York has been able to salvage reclamation projects such as Aurelian Collin, who kind of was kind of done and has, you know, carved out a nice extension to his career in New York and then Aaron Long um, who's been phenomenal and he was kind of a journeyman at one point um, playing down in USL and they've they've uh, refashioned him so I think that there's a lot to be said for what this team could be going forward and uh, uh, with their track record you have to kind of trust their process exactly all right so from a team that's very consistent and, and, and something, we've got another team that's a bit up in the air, um, but also a very uh, well-coached club in uh, Columbus. And this offseason was, well, it's, it's, it was interesting. It, it, it's going to be a really big change for Columbus. Um, obviously, without having to go into all of it, you know, there's, there's a lot going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes there and, and sort of from the business aspect of their club and, whether or not they're going to move. And as much as we don't want to talk about stuff like that, you know, it's impossible to say that things like that don't have an effect on your roster, don't have an effect um, in your atmosphere around the club. Um, so it's a bit of an interesting situation. And, and, and now here they are. And there's no more Justin Miram, who is, you know, a guy that was, you know, their star player, one of their star players. Uh, and no more Ola Kamara, who is a guy that, you know, really, really was phenomenal in, in his uh, time with the club there uh, over those couple of years. Um, does Burrowhalter still have the pieces that he needs to make this a competitive team again? I think it's too hard to say. I think it's really hard to say right now. Um, however, you know, comma, I think that they really did a very interesting job backfilling this team. Uh, you look over at the left back and, and Milton, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this Valenzuela. Um, uh, he's look, you, I don't know a lot about him, but they seem very high on him. He's, you know, extremely young, 19 years old, and they gave him a DP contract. Um, I think that says a lot of his young DP contract, but I think that says a lot about what, what they're after. And they've shown a continued process to where they can find, um, young players or find the player for that position for a season and then leverage them and continue that operation. And I think that that that's really strong. Uh, Edward Opoku, they got a, uh, I believe out of the draft who is going to back up uh, Giazzi Zardes. Zardes is in an element that I feel it could really uh, just reclaim his career. So uh, they, they got um, Mike Grilla for, kind of from Colorado, uh, Colorado being crafty. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, basically for nothing. They, they got him for yeah, nothing. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was 
it was very interesting what they've done to quietly kind of, I mean, they signed Arter, uh, I believe, long-term to a multi-year deal, which is... Uh, yeah, it, that it was, was a big deal for them. Um, and then Artur. Uh, Artur signed long-term. Nico Hansen uh, has kind of made some progress. There's a lot of rumors mm-hmm. that he could end up being the starting left wing. Uh, and then Hector Jimenez, who they picked up for nothing, and gets 1,500 minutes every single season and plays left wing, plays left back, plays a little center mid. Like he plays a little bit of everything. And I, I, I absolutely think that that's the hallmark of Greg Berhalter is he finds these pieces that aren't fancy, that aren't um, stylish. And he just kind of weaves them into his mold and he play and, and they fit what he's trying to do. He doesn't bring in players that don't fit. And as soon as they don't fit, Columbus is pretty quick to turn that around and say, Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming here. Yeah, and they do a, a professional manner. We're going to find you a good fit, um, but you're no longer welcome here. And, and that's and, and they've done a great job of yeah. that. I think there's no more. There's no better. I think like just just example of that object lesson than than them getting rid of Kai Kamara and just having another Kamara over there, and then bringing him on, and he's great too. Just like oh, okay, fine. This Kamara is not working anymore. We'll just let's get the other Kamara in here. And this guy goes from being just like, oh, wow, okay, you know, we're, we're basically like, this is another Kamara, that's hilarious. Uh, and then he goes on to become, you know, one of, yeah, I'd say the, 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 the best strikers in the league and, and someone that uh, was very sought after and that, um, you know, LA was willing to part with a guy that's been around forever. And, and it's like, I was still with some upside. I know he gets a lot of, um, he gets a lot of flack, and I, I think a lot of it, you know, deservedly so. But uh, I, I agree that that if there's any place where Zardes can kind of maybe go quietly work his way back into being the player that we thought he could be, uh, Columbus and Burhalter is is 100% that place. Well, and I think Kai Kamara is a really great instance in the sense that they said, okay, uh, Kai Kamara, we're, le- we're moving you. Ethan Finley, we're now changing how you function. You're no longer going to cut down at the byline and cross in. We're going to change how you work. Yeah, that might not be really good for you in the long term, but don't worry. We're going to deal with you and we're going to get you in the right situation. Once he was no... He, I mean, that didn't play to Ethan Finley's strengths anymore. And so they quickly found what did. You know, uh, they, they brought in Kukuna Mana and then they found uh, Pedro Santos. And look, they, they, they don't ever stop tinkering. Um, this this offseason, really quietly, you know, Eduardo uh, Sosa, who they brought mm-hmm. in to basically replace Pipa um, either in a year or two, um, looks really interesting he's he's a another player that could very well step into the mold and right now all he is i don't even think he might be he might be a tam player i'd have to double check that but uh, they're already lining themselves up they're they're definitely uh layering this and i think that that's really good yeah they might not be the 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 potent team that they were but they're always going to have some tricks up their sleeve and i don't think you can sleep on columbus even when even if they have a down year yeah and uh, i guess in sorrow uh you know it's a guy they resign which I, I love it when a team does that and shows faith in a guy that's worked really hard to come back from an injury and you know, even if he's 90% of what he once was, that's going to be a very, very good defender and somebody that you'd be very, very glad to have around your club. So, well, um, not only just him, Lawless, uh, Abu, yeah, Abu Bakar. Yeah. Yeah. Abu Bakar. Yeah. Lawless Abu Bakar. He, he um, showed some really interesting out. stuff. Stefan's another young player that's really good goal. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think they're going to be fine. I, Columbus is not a team um, that I would ever want to play. <laughs> they no. always have that. Yeah. There's just, there's too much. There's a lot of interesting pieces there. So um, they're, they're not what happens with them off the field. They're going to be fine in 2018. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily going to be like one of those high teams. And I don't think they're ever going to be one of those teams that's the top team perennial. But they're going to be a team that's constantly in the mix for maybe the last seed, a mid seed uh, in the playoffs. They're probably back towards the end on the outside looking in right now. But they're they're definitely going to spoil some uh, some seasons. Indeed, they will. Uh, speaking of seasons, they spoiled. Next up. It's what everyone's been waiting for, right? It's Atlanta. Let's talk about Atlanta. Um, Atlanta. Why aren't, why aren't we talking about Atlanta right now? Why aren't we talking about Atlanta yet? Okay. Uh, Atlanta. If you were to ask Atlanta, I think they'd tell you that they're pretty confident they're going to win it all this year. <laughs> uh, are they? Uh, I, look, do they have the pieces and the potential? Probably. I think that there's a huge gaping hole that uh, basically a 30 what is it? 35? Jeff Lorenowitz is 35. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, 34 is what I have on the spreadsheet. Um, he's, he's getting up there and the, the idea of having him run around the backside of that midfield um, is kind of, uh, and trust me, I, I like a lot. I, I like him a lot. Uh, I don't know if they're going to Salzizo, use Salzizo in that manner and try to convert him to a defensive midfielder. I, I don't know who they're going to have step in that place, but uh, that's going to be a huge hole. And that defense. Uh, well, I, presumably they'll just sign some South American, right? <laughs> that's just what they're going to do. As Total Football always says, uh, you know, don't worry about international spots. Um, but look, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they have some really interesting pieces in Franco Escobar that they picked up off in the offseason that was kind of unheralded Jose Hernandez that they they also brought in a left back um, who's like 20 years old uh, they have a lot of young pieces Chris Goslin as well as uh, the, there's this other kid I can't remember Andrew Charlton um, Andrew Carlton yeah, yeah, being Carlton. Fast, that, that was He's, that was yeah. some facetious come on I know how to say Carlton <laughs> I'm poking okay. fun at United so let, let me have my fun uh Okay. Yeah, no, I just think that I, I think that they have a really de- deep team. I think they have a lot of pieces that they could uh, that they can grow into. And oh, yeah, they also went and got one of the best possessioned uh, midfielders in MLS. So Nagby's obviously been the him and Barco are sort of the things that, that people are talking about this offseason. Um, Barco, of course, a lot of attention, you know, mainly for his age um, and for his price tag. Um certainly is a guy that's going to have a lot to prove. And uh, you wonder if he'll be given, you know, we don't know. Like we, It seems like Atlanta would be the kind of place that would, would, would give a player a time to grow, but we don't know for sure because they haven't really had an opportunity, you know, to test that yet. Um, another thing that I think that they'll be looking at is there's a not unreasonable chance that Almiron will be gone this summer. Um, you know, he's he's somebody that a lot of eyes are on, and and has mentioned that 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 is something that he wants to do at some point. And uh, I would be extremely foolish of Atlanta to to get in his way. Um, and I don't think they will. I don't think they. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think so either. I don't think they have to. Um, so, you know, there definitely are um, some question marks there. Uh, Joseph Martinez. If he stays healthy, he's going to be very, very good and score a lot of goals. But uh, staying healthy 
hasn't been something he's been super great at so far. And I think that there were a lot of fair criticisms of Martino towards the last year, uh, towards the end of last year, of not doing a very good job of managing minutes and sort of uh, conserving his players for that big run at the end. Um, you know, the, the uh, teams really need, uh, you know, in order to get that momentum going kind of into the playoffs in MLS Cup. Um, you know, so so there are definitely like, it's it's odd to kind of talk about them in this sense of, all right, you know, they're, they're kind of in between that second and first tier right now, you know, of this, like, it's so much promise, so much potential, and they're still just such a new organization. It's just a young organization with such young kids. Um, we've never really seen anything like it. And as much as I like to kind of uh, give Atlanta people a hard time for <laughs> for wanting attention, uh, what they're doing is interesting and, and does, does deserve your eyeballs this year. So, um, Regardless of what happens, it's going to be fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're a fantastic team and, and really they're a fantastic organization from uh, just being able to uh, go to Philly and, and listen to the panels and, and, and listen to, you know, uh, Lucy, Lucy Russian, who's, you know, their, um, their quant, I guess is, you know, uh, what they might refer to yeah. her as. Uh, basically she, she makes all, a lot of the data, maybe not decisions, but she helps influence the decision makers on that team with data. And so, um, and their processes, the pr leaving the idea of data out, just structuring the processes and their decision-making, it's really interesting. And I think really when we look at um, organizations and, and how they approach their decision making, it, it's it's sometimes kind of glossed over. We look at the end result of the decision uh, rather than the mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. itself. And, and we kind of forget about that. And I really love how Atlanta has been able to develop their, their organization and their processes for the decision making. I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting. And I think that um, overall, it, it, it's just kind of a game changer in MLS. All right, let's stop talking about Atlanta. They're going to be fine. Next up, <laughs> Chicago. Uh, Chicago is a team that really uh, overachieved last year, I kind of feel like, uh, given where they were uh, the year before. Just a very, very surprising turnaround success. Brought in great players um, you know, to add to somebody that already had that's fantastic and David Akam. Now David Akam is gone. Um, you know, Schweinsteiger uh, defied all of his critics quite well and, and was very, very good throughout the season. But he's coming back. He's a year older. Um, and they're going to need Nikolic to be as prolific of a scorer as he was last year. And that might be asking a lot, uh, especially without the guy that was his main service provider. Yeah, they're going to have to find another way to get him the ball. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take put read too much into into David Akam being gone uh he's one of a lot of different methodologies that they used to, to get him the ball and I think that in the end um I think that's just one part of it right that I think one of the things that we probably will gloss over and, and not think another thing of is Otero Alvarez who was traded to Houston um that that was good that's going to be a piece that's that's missing as well i mean he was he was really good depth uh michael delu um he he basically blew out his knee this off season he's going to be gone for i think 9 months so i mean there's right off the bat it, it's not just a calm right it, it's going to be these the depth and it and the quality that they have immediately available it, it's a little lacking um, they're going to have to hopefully uh, John Picaro steps up. They got him out of the draft. Um, Bastian Schweinsteiger, he's going to have to be um, 
beat the, as you said, he's going to have to beat age again um, to be a, a difference maker. Daniel Johnson, who was somebody that a lot of people liked coming out of the draft last year, is going to have to step up. Chicago is basically going to have to ask a lot of their youth to step up and, and be difference makers. And I don't see any other way that they're going to, they're going to be able to do that. Grant Lillard, he's going to have to step up on the back line. Richard, uh, Richard Sanchez from the, uh, in the, between yeah. the, decks, the goalkeeper, he's going to have to step up. He's never been a starter before. It's either him or Stephen Cleveland. And I don't think, uh, I, I don't think they're really looking at Cleveland right now. No disrespect to him. I think Sanchez is the guy. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of question marks with these guys, and they're gonna have to step up. And they brought in, uh, you know, a Serbian international, you know, someone that's kind of more on the fringes of that team, uh, Alexander Katai, uh, to sort of maybe kind of plug that Akam hole in a little bit. But um, I, I think that that, that Akam is going to be a very hard hard player from the replace, and they're going to find it a lot harder than maybe even they imagine uh, getting into the season. But um, I, I don't expect a return to the Chicago Firefold. Yeah, so uh, yeah, they're probably not necessarily that, uh, and I don't want to say bad, but because that feels really derogatory. But I, I don't know if it was you that I was speaking with or if it was someone else. But uh, Alexander Katai, I, I, do, I don't know what to expect from him. I mean, as you said, he's a fringe Serbian national team player. There's not a lot of information on him. Um, yeah, they spent some money to, to, to bring him in, which is, you know, uh, it's good to see Chicago spending money. Even if it's league money, it's good to see them actually spending money. Unlike, you know, the, there's Philadelphia that that's kind of sitting, you know, they, they've waited, yeah. they've waited, uh, for some time to make, basically make their move. This is their window, um, yeah. to, to kind of compete, uh, so to speak. And it, it feels bad for, I feel kind of bad for saying that. Uh, just because I kind of feel like maybe that means that they'll go back to being bad. I think part of that window being extended is by Matt Polster, you know, being what he needs to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Kapelhoff, uh, Jonathan Campbell, both stepping up, Grant Lillard. These Americans that they've drafted and they've brought up and the, through their system, the, those are going to be the guys that really have – that they depend on uh, extending that window. So, Yeah. All right, moving on here, getting towards the end of our previews. Uh, number two last year, team that I feel like is, you know, a team that, that has been, you know, just extremely blessed with a lot of talent in it. And they're, they're a team with a great coach and a team that's been kind of knocking at that door, but haven't really been able to, like, break through and have that postseason run. And, of course, we're talking about NYCFC. Um, and when we talk about NYCFC, we can almost start and nearly stop talking uh, as soon as we, we finish with David Villa. This guy has to start declining at some point, right? It's really it, – it's just amazing. Like he keeps himself in just amazing shape. He uh, He's kind of the Tom Brady, if you will, of, of MLS. Uh, I don't – Yeah, but likable. Right, but extremely likable. I mean he just – yeah, yeah. Uh, I like David Villa. I'm I'm content with him being good for a long time. I don't want to I don't want to talk about anything else. Yeah, I don't really want to see a, a David Villa less MLS anymore now that I've I've seen David Villa in MLS. Uh, he's special. He he he's not just when we talk about players declining. I think that there are players that decline and sort of fall out very quickly because they don't adapt while they're declining. I feel like David Villa. As he loses speed, you know, alters his game to 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 work with that. And I think he's a very incredibly intelligent player. And 
I think players like that are the ones that you can see go on and have these much longer careers because they're able to kind of adapt to their, um, you know, changing bodies and their changing physicality and, and the changing league. Um, and if anybody's going to do it and, and still be a guy that's up there towards MVP races for another year or two, it's going to be David Villa. Um, you know, FC, uh, let's see, Jack Harrison is gone, um, which is, you know, I, I think good. I, 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 he was a good player for NYCFC. He was um, a very exciting player. Uh, but it's good for the league to move these players that are younger uh, and kind of show that this is a place that you can do that, that you can kind of come put yourself up for display. Um, that's that's only going to be good for the league in the long run. And I don't think he's by any means irreplaceable. And they certainly have, you know, started doing that by bringing in uh, Jesus Medina, um, a guy that has a lot of upside uh, similar kind of like, you know, a pacey sort of dribbly guy, um, you know, and, and the, they're kind of maybe, if anything, uh, it's going to be questions of what goes on in the back again, you know? No, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not thrilled that they still uh, have kind of settled on uh, Sean Johnson, but uh, that is what that is, right? Um, I think... Yeah, you kind of stole my my thunder with Jesus Medina because yeah, they 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 went they sold uh, Jack Harrison and then and they already had a replacement already kind of waiting in the wings and then on top of that you have Jonathan Lewis and oh by the way Thomas McNamara mm-hmm. uh, you know Tommy Mack is sitting there ready for his his big opportunity and it's it's funny because yeah. uh, he performs at a really high level when he's played. But it seems like he he just is having a lot of problems uh, finding those opportunities, and I don't know if that's a personality issue or if that's a training issue or or what exactly it is. But it, it, at this stage, it, it's starting to become noticeable at 26, right? Like it's somebody that I think two years ago we thought was ready to to um, to really come onto the scene, and it just doesn't happen. And I think that that's kind of uh, kind of interesting and. It'll be really interesting to see how that develops over a season as they need that that piece. You know, I would assume over on the other ring, Rodney Wallace has that locked down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a very good first season for them, and, and was especially at the beginning of the year was incredibly dangerous. Uh, kind of fell off a little bit towards the end, um, as NYC FC tends to do as well. I think that's um, that's partly because of him coming uh, over kind of mid. He didn't come over mid season, but he was yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. of his season uh, when they acquired him. Right, so, right. just a long year for him. Yeah, and that's 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 understandable. I think he's he's going to be very good again this season as well. Um, I think that um, you know if there if this if this team were in any era that wasn't this TFC era, you know they would be probably my picks to go ahead and win this Eastern Conference um, even this year. Uh, they've been very close, uh, you know, throughout the course of a year. But but you know it when it comes down to that head to head, they they've kind of underwhelmed and. Uh, they definitely sort of eh, spluttered out of the playoffs a little bit last year to kind of come up against a under siege resurgent Columbus side. But um, it's a team I like a lot. And and uh, when you consider where they were when they came in their first year and they were such a laughing stock and they were so bad. Um, and to see a player like David Villa stick around through that and wait it through and um, how they kind of shore the, you know, got rid of the, the Pirlo and Lampard and like they just kind of like they carried them for a while and, they, you know, they were like, but we're not going to play them. And they trusted these guys they brought in, and they've they've made just some really really great um, great additions to the team. And uh, a guy like Young Hell Herrera, 
somebody that I got a lot of admiration for and a lot of hope to to kind of see uh, more of this year. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just really impressed with this team. No, I, forward, and you know, you know it's I mean? kind of a really quiet move that um, probably go unnoticed by a lot of folks until maybe mid-season when he starts really making an impact. Abdul Salam, uh, Salam that they got from Sporting Kansas City was a piece that they really needed. Yeah. And I really yeah, think yeah, yeah. that he could very well explode on this season. I, if if there was kind of, I hate picking one to watch because I mean, on with Jesus Mandina, Jonathan Lewis, Yango, uh, <laughs> there's just so many young, yeah, yeah there's a lot there's of young lot players. And here. that's not yeah. even including um, their homegrown player, James Sands, who very well could earn his first minutes this year. Um, there's a lot of really good talk coming out of out of yeah. that, so he's somebody to watch as well. So it's it's really exciting. Um, yeah. All right, New York City FC. Moving on to our last year's treble-ish winners. They won three trophies. It was good. They were the best uh, regular season team in MLS history, points wise. Uh, won MLS Cup for the first time ever. You know, this is our. This is the big team. This is a team that is spending a lot more money than anybody else. This is a team that's showing a lot of ambition and they've been, you know, running into this. Like, I mean, they've been trying to do this for a very long time and it's finally starting to pay dividends for them. And that's, of course, Toronto. Uh, this offseason, they just got a little bit better, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they brought in. Well, especially probably within the last week, right? Yeah, they brought in Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt who is a guy that, you know, kind of uh, fizzled out of uh, European leagues a little bit, but at a time not not that long ago was, you know, one of these big, bright, you know, young talents. Um, and, and Toronto would be a great place for him to find his feet again. Um, and, you know, people were like, I can't believe they got rid of Raheem Edwards or they didn't protect him. And, you know, like, okay, well, now we got Vanderweel. They brought in another uh, Brazilian, uh, kind of a younger guy. He's sort of a youth team fringe, but another guy with a lot of upside uh, another good fullback there. And then just this week, we're also hearing, and I am not going to be able to say this name. I can't wait till someone can. Uh, <laughs> it's the Basque player uh, from Athletic Bilbao, someone that, uh, you know, was kind of uh, towards the fringes of their first team as well, but, you know, still very young. Uh, Agar Akekse is, I'm going to take yeah, my I- first shot at it there. Um, and that that potentially is just adding to a place that you know Victor Vasquez has kind of made his own. That they've already got a player like Osorio that can kind of back up there. Like I feel like they're just trying to stack up three deep everywhere, and they're going to want to make a run at CCL. I kind of feel like that's their their goal here. No, and I think they absolutely will. Uh, I think that this is. I mean, look, they've been training in uh, in Mexico uh, over the course of what the the past month. They they take this very seriously. Like this is, I mean, even after they won the MLS Cup, they, it was very much an attitude of "we're not finished." Like th- there is an end goal here, um, which is scary <laughs> from from an yeah. organization that is just like that bloodthirsty. And then they go, they add Vanderwill, they add uh, how do you pronounce it? The a te- a tech. Uh, a Texay, who looks that's wrong. I apologize. Yeah. However, you say his name, at least from everything that we've seen. Uh, if you look up at FIFA, if you look up uh, his FIFA ratings, if you look at what he's done out there, I mean, he's someone <laughs> I, I, we all laugh at those things, but these are things that um, they're built off um, somewhat discernible yeah. things yeah there, there's yeah. things that quibble over speed you know is he really that good with the ball yeah. is he really going right, to transition yeah. well but i mean 
they're bringing well, the the real point here is they're bringing in yet another really talented player. And oh, by the way, uh, we're going to do so with splashing this excess cash, and then we're going to basically put him uh, at the very somewhere in our rotation, like somewhere. Yeah, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, as you said, they're stacking up three deep across the way. And oh, by the way, they let Raheem Edwards go because they have Justin Morrow, who not only was a fullback, but also a fifth center back and did it really well and got called into the U.S. I mean, he at 30 years old, he, he's kind of what he is, what he is. But Morrow's fantastic. And, and not only that, I think he 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 had, what, seven goals this season. Um, he, he was probably... Outside of Jermaine Jones was probably the best left back in MLS. I mean, yeah, he this team is stacked and not just like Josie Altador, Sebastian Javinko, Michael Bradley. Uh, Michael Bradley, who actually, I mean, for all the trouble and all the arguments that uh, that I generally have with people over his value, I think it was really interesting when we started digging into the passing data and Jared Young and Kevin uh, Minkus started showing some of the buildup data that we've been able to decipher, basically build up, you know, uh, a pass that leads to a shot that isn't the actual pass to the shot or the shot itself. Um, Basically Michael Bradley, not basically Michael Bradley is second in MLS and creating those shots being part of the buildup. Uh, second only to uh, Nicholas Ladero. So um, I, I think that really encapsulated exactly what he does for, for Toronto. And that is, he is the metronome. He is going to keep that ball going. And he's not, he, he does at times turn the ball over kind of lazily. And that's, that's been some of my beef and some of my issues with him on a national team level, but he's so good within this, within his element for Toronto and Toronto allows him to do just what he excels at. And I think that that's, that's been kind of their key to success is they just continue to isolate players in the areas that they're really good. And uh, yeah, it's really hard to, to penetrate those, those vulnerabilities when you do that. All right, Toronto still good. Great analysis. We're, we're the best at this. All right. That is that is our that is our Eastern Coast uh, Eastern Conference preview. We have done it. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Harrison, for joining me. As always, uh, much appreciated. Uh, you can find Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore Pro underscore Pro. Is that right? Okay, find him there. Uh, you can find American Soccer Analysis at Analysis Evolved. Uh, I'm Ian. You can find me at the 16th Doc on Twitter. And uh, this week and for the next couple weeks, we're going to have written forms of these uh, previews uh, with different people's opinions, in, for the most part, uh, from our own, uh, for each of these teams going forward. And we'd really like it if you went to AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com and check those out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, the Western Conference Preview, and uh, we'll see you then.